0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to week 11. I think this is going to be a fun class. We are not doing a new assignment this week. This is a catch-up week, and we are going to do a flip video scavenger hunt activity where you can, with other members of your team, earn five extra credit points to go on your final grade for this class. So that's kind of fun, and there's going to be two categories where we can do scavenger hunt. So I'm thinking we just we have one Pecha Kucha, but was there another? Anybody else who needed to do one? You did? Okay. All right. So we have two more to go. There's one we're going to do next week. So we'll do yours after our intro, and then we'll jump right into our scavenger hunt. I want to give you as much time as possible to do the scavenger hunt. So the app share for today. I'm so excited about this. It's so cool because I've learned you can use your iPad as an as a, uh, interactive whiteboard. board. Um, I'm using an app, a $10 app called Air Display, which is one way to do this. And basically what it just lets me do is control my computer, which actually looks like it's about to fall off the desk. Um, It is a little tricky. I couldn't just use the regular wireless that UCO provides. I had to make my own little wireless network because of the way that they have things locked down. But I wrote a blog post this last week about about this and uh, learned actually last night. Somebody commented there's uh, several ways to do this. This is an app called Doceri Remote. The app is free, but it costs $50 to have the program on your computer that lets you have the whiteboard um, function. Um, the way that I'm using this with AirDisplay, the app costs $10, and then you need to have some way of having whiteboard software. Um, now, on the Mac, and I just I remember they had talked about this, in order to type something in, you can turn on an um, actual keyboard viewer, so the keyboard um, can come up here and so I can type in something and, and hit uh, enter. I'm using a little $10 stylus called a pogo stick and you have to have a special kind of stylus on an iPad or iPhone, bless you, to be able to um, have it um, it's, it's touch sensitive so it, it has to be a special stylus. You can't have something else that's um, not designed for that. I don't know why that web address isn't coming up quickly. There it goes. Twitter's over capacity. Cool. Um, so anyway, that is that's a that's a pretty neat thing. Somebody asked this morning, how did you learn all this kind of stuff? Well, by reading blogs from different people. Um, that's how I learned about this. There's a former principal. Anybody have their library look that way? By the way, in the summertime, <laughs> that's Grant High School in Oklahoma City. So um, my point in this post was that. Um, You know, spending money on a a device like an iPad is going to be a much better investment than spending, you know, what what can amount to thousands of dollars for the purchase of a whiteboard. At the most expensive end, a a whiteboard setup that has the custom uh, arm that comes off of a special projector can cost like $3,000. And you can spend around $270, that's what Oklahoma City spends, for their installation. So, about, you know, Thirty-three, thirty-five hundred dollars $3,500. This is a YouTube channel that Tim Tyson set up, and he did screencasts, just like we're talking about, explaining how to make your iPad into an interactive whiteboard. So by following Tim's blog, that's how I learned about this. And um, it's exciting to see the possibilities here, because uh, what's really, I think, cool about this is if one of you had an iPad and you had air display running on your machine. I could click on this and you can see mine's called Dumbledore, it's just what I named my iPad. I could actually transfer control to you and then you could do whatever you wanted to as far as showing stuff on the screen. So, because I have the SmartBoard software installed already on my computer, um, I can use the, the features of it to, to mark stuff up. So, it's certainly a lot easier to do fractions and to do math when I'm able to write you know, than if I was using a keyboard. So that's very neat to be able to do that. And also not be in front of the screen, that's something else, you know. I, don't, I do not have to have a whiteboard in order to do this, but I need to have some software. So something else that uh, Tim talked about in this post that was interesting was if um, the SmartBoard software itself, you have to have a SmartBoard serial number to get. They only let people who own SmartBoards get them. So there's some other ways to have the, the interactive SmartBoard um, sort of software experience. And there's an application called Ink2Go. This one's $20, which is pretty expensive as um, applications go for an, an iPad. But again, when you compare it to $1,000 for a SmartBoard, you know, um, it's, that's not that much. So I already have the, uh, the SmartBoard software uh, on my computer. So that means I could I can do things like turn on the pin and you know I can circle things, write things, mark things up, and you know, be able to do that, but that's that's with the smart software. Any comments or questions about that? Um, You can, but it's really small. Somebody had asked me when I was doing movies on my iPhone the first time, they said, is that like painting on a grain of rice? like, Well, maybe a little bit. So I did try hooking my phone up to it, but it was just so small. Um, Because what I'm really doing is remoting in. I have remote control of my computer through this, and there's different software programs that'll do that. And you can on the phone, you can also zoom in, but it's just a little more challenging to do. I think the tablet is definitely a lot better interface for doing that. This Doceri, which I haven't tried yet, it has whiteboard software with it. But again, it's a desktop version that you have to run on your computer is um, $50. I went with this air display because I thought that was so neat to hand off control. And the thing is, there are tablets that you can get now to control a screen, but... They don't show you what you're looking at. It's like a, it's a blank tablet, and then you write, and you kind of have to look up at the screen and sort of gauge where your pin is, you know, looking up at the screen. So it's very cool to be able to see everything that you're doing on your tablet and show it up here. So um, after next week, next week we don't have a face-to-face meeting, but the following week we are scheduled to talk about... Our unit plan, and then we're gonna we're gonna have a lesson about Smartboard. Have any did any of you go to those lessons I emailed you about that UCO was having about Smartboards? What did you what did you think? What what did they talk about, and how how was the session? So it was a, like an
1: introduction class, but since
0: I didn't email about it. I, I didn't like it. Okay, it was basics of of what to do. Um, Brittany, who's in our nine o'clock section, uh, came in uh, for open lab on Friday, and I apologize that I had a flat tire. She was here Monday, not Friday. That so wasn't your Friday. And she needed to teach a lesson about um, how to graph slope for seventh graders in Edmond where she has a field experience. So that was
1: actually me. Oh, it was you? Yes.
0: Okay, in our eleven o'clock section. And Am I saying it right, Brittany? Yes. Okay, so I just got sections wrong. Well. Thank yes. you. How did it go? It
1: went really well. Could you let me come in about 30 minutes early and use the software that you had on there? Okay. He uses the
0: every day to teach them. Did you end up doing that the manipulative thing that we found? No,
1: because I asked him and he thought that that was too complex because they hadn't even been introduced to the slope intercept form yet. <laughs> okay. So he didn't want to. Want to
0: confuse them, huh? Yeah. Interesting. So this was what uh, Brittany and I found. And we'll talk, we'll talk more about this stuff, but basically, um, this is an interactive that lets you set your um, y coefficient and your slope, and it will compute the slope for you, and it lets you change the scale <coughs> of the slope. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's built into the SmartBoard software, and so that these kinds of interactive manipulatives, virtual manipulatives, can really help you know the use of the SmartBoard go beyond just a fancy overhead projector. Um, So, anyway, we had a little crash course in the smart board, and we'll talk more about it, but um, that's your app app share for today. So, um, we're going to do a video, and on our handout, or our our website for today, um, I've got a link that says Learning to Change, which is our video, and then More. The More link, and by the way, if you haven't checked in yet, please do that today. The more link goes to this page on my blog, which has lots and lots of different videos that I've used at different times for workshops and in classes. You'll see some of the things like Creative Commons and things that we have seen. Obviously, we're not seeing half of these videos in our our class, but one of them uh, at the top is called Learning to Change, Changing to Learn. And this is a video from 2008 that was created by Pearson, and we are going to take a look at this right now, maybe. Go back to the beginning. Okay. Um, And as we watch this, um, they're going to be talking about schools changing and the environment that students are in versus the environment that... Uh, That schools are in. And there's a very provocative statement that the gentleman who will speak last will say about death. So, listen for that. And I'm going to give you some time to talk with your neighbor about this after we watch it. This is a five and a half minute video.
1: The U.S. Department of Commerce ranked 55 industry sectors by their level of IT intensiveness. Education is ranked number 55 the lowest the low call level. For the last hundred years we've used the industrial <coughs> schools, a lot of factories. It's a ministry process. it's about control and water. The kids are having a much more stimulating and rich environment outside of schools they are in school. Kids have very rich content developers today through their social networking sites. They're big communicators through email, instant messaging, and text messaging, and yet all of those things are banned from their schools. We have to accept as educators that technology is not a choice. It has created a world. It does not, it to help you teach traditional subjects. It has invented has emerged a, company, a new environment. It's about relationship, it's about community, it's about connectivity, it's about access. Children
2: are living now in a, in a, in a different space. They're living in what I call uh, nearly now. And uh, nearly now is that the space that they're texting, that space that they update their Facebook entries. in, the space that they are Twitter in, the in, that space that, that is not quite synchronous. Now, it's a really interesting space, but it's not atmosphere, it's not pressure. It's a space where people can it's all your the other ones. they can reflect and retract <coughs> from the and research uh, and and repeat, you know, it's a great, it's a
1: general approach. it's a great world for learning. If I could bring my on classroom today, I am not sure it would be a very similar classroom. So the students at the centre in school is just one of the ways and places that they learn. But they also learn through community at home, in museums, in libraries and of course online it's about providing the best quality teachers no matter where a student lives and making those bridges it's wandering around the city with their
2: cell phones and collecting data that kids will be doing outside of
1: school the school might be the place where you come together to enjoy projects where uh, you social network where you do some of the other kinds of enrichment things we've got a classroom system when we could have a community system it's about opening the door to NASA resources to the labs that are being developed online at MIT, and connecting these students to the kinds of opportunities that will fundamentally shift their academic experience and make them better prepared, not only for college, but for life. You start with a teacher. If I want my students to make, to make a global connection, then I'm going to give the tools to my teachers first and provide them with opportunities to connect with other teachers around the world or other teachers around the country.
2: Is to give teachers a place where they can swap authentic ingredients and the evidence that those ingredients are so safe and tested. Do you know that it doesn't exist anywhere in the world? I, I've just been part of a, a big project that I think is going to change that and change that attitude. We have to
1: develop a narrative that sustains
2: 21st century learning. If we simply apply standards, if we simply have a, a steady regime of standardized testing, that will make things better. When in fact, it is Economically, actually, a foolish idea, because the jobs that these kids in school will be having do not call for this kind of right answer vending machine approach.
1: That blue child uh, that can face away it enables local creativity and innovations. They will
2: be doing work that calls on their artistic abilities, it calls on their abilities of synthesis, it calls on their abilities of understanding the context, it calls on their abilities of working in teams. Calls on their abilities in some sense to be multidisciplinary, multilingual, multicultural. So, the coin of the realm is not memorizing the facts that they're going to need to know for the rest of their lives. The coin of the realm will be you know how to find information, you know how to validate it, you know how to synthesize it, you know how to leverage it, you know how to communicate it, you know how to collaborate with it, you know how to problem solve with it. That's the new 21st century set of literacies. And it looks a lot different than the model that most of us were raised in. Now we're looking at a whole different range of schools, we're looking at schools that producing genius, collaborative, precarious, uh, brave children, uh, who care about stuff like their culture. And the build schools that do that is a whole another challenge. And around the world, you know, people are testing out the ingredients of what makes that work. And those ingredients are being assembled into some just stunning recipes in different places. It's a very exciting type of learning. It's death of education, but it's the dawn of learning.
0: It's a fairly provocative statement. So take uh, a there or two and talk with your neighbor about that video and what they said.
3: Those high schoolers, they got in trouble. their phones, and they were
1: always texting. I them here. And younger and younger kids are getting stuff. Kind of crazy, yeah. It's really cool. it's a I have to make a mixture, yeah. But in my middle school, they need them. They're like,
3: oh, can you can I you can call the I really need a tough one. i to be here in
0: the
3: About how there tends to be, we tend to be afraid of technology. And when you hear about social networking, you're hearing more about like bullying and how you can use it in
1: a negative way. And people aren't stopping to think about how positive experiences
0: can be. Right, tons of fear, tons of of um, news headlines about the worst examples possible. You know, kidnapping and bullying and terrible things. Uh, Who who dealt with bullying when they were in school? Anyone? My daughter's in fifth grade right now. Do you think there might be any bullying going on right now amongst her peer group? You know, the the latest thing is, and my daughter doesn't have her own phone. She borrows ours. But because of three-way calling being so easy with cell phones, I don't know if any of you had this happen or did this when you were young. um, But they will... Call uh, have somebody on the line and then call somebody else and they don't know that that other person is on the phone and say do you really like blah 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 you know and just very very cool we just had the conversation with the parent about you know shutting this down you know is the technology to blame for that no that's called being mean and you know <laughs> using a tool my wife said oh yeah we used to call boys from you know from this. you have to be in the same house to do it you know but somebody else <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to just get, like, pestered
3: by people to the point that we had dial up internet for a long time. I just don't plug in the dial up. So the line. So the line would be
0: busy. Yeah. You know, so there's some perennial issues that have always been messy, and perhaps they're messier now because of technology, or maybe we just have more of a window into it, you know? Facebook wasn't around when I was in school, so we didn't have a window into the Friday party scene, you know, that happened out of the lake or whatever. I mean, that still happened, but we didn't have pictures that, you know, what people were seeing on Monday morning, you know. So, other thoughts or somebody else had a comment over here? Like we you kind of talked
3: about a disconnect of like, how to use technology. Even I, like, struggle with it because I'm wanting to teach English literature. And so I still struggle with how does reading a book connect to technology? Mm
0: -hmm. Right. And and I think the challenge for all of us is going to be to continue being learners to figure this kind of stuff out. It's not the case that in our classrooms today we all have iPads, you know, even here at UCO. I mean, one of the first things I said when I first got connected here was, all right, when are are all the students having laptops, you know, because that's the kind of environment we need to be prepared for. Um, Yeah, what does learning look like when everybody has a device, you know, is it worse or better? I think it's more challenging. In a sense, it's easier to run a prison than it is a real engaged classroom. Okay? Because if all I want you to do is be quiet, sit still, get out your pencil and paper, listen to me, that's a lot easier to do than even perhaps what we're about to do in a minute with cameras is, you know, here's an activity, we've set this up, I want you to be in groups, you're going to go out and do this. Facilitating that kind of learning in, in many ways is more challenging, I think, than the, the teacher directed. But what am I comfortable with and am I willing to change? Somebody in the 11 o'clock section lives in Yukon and she was talking about all the teachers that are about to retire because they're going to have laptops at their high school and lots of different changes, and people are feeling like, eh, I'm not going to do that. You yeah, know? It
1: causes stress because you've got somebody you, who's right. been there for a decade or more Absolutely. and they've got a Absolutely. That's the way this works. And right. It's working for me. Right. And then this, they're adding another component. And then right. It's,
0: it's right. And we grow through stress, so have right? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the, the stress curve? I can do my little drawing here. Um, <laughs> We've got the, got the graph, okay? And then we're going to have stress come in here. And I think the, the, um, we have stress, okay? Stress on this side and performance on this side, okay? Have you all seen this before, talked about this in psychology? Obviously, you can see why I'm not a handwriting teacher, so I'm not very good at handwriting. What does this graph look like? Do you know what happens with performance and stress? It goes up, but at some point, it starts to go down, okay? And what you don't want to do, you know, is push people beyond their, their limit because that, you know, I'm not going to be, if you are, are yelling at me and screaming at me and I'm being feeling threatened and, I, you know, I don't know what that is in different contexts, but there's a point at which my performance stops going up with stress. So that's different for different people, but anyway. It fits into this idea about change because am I going to be willing to, you know, make these kind of changes? These, these are folks from all over the world talking about these different kinds of ideas. And um, unfortunately, in our country today, uh, schools are really under siege. We have a group of corporations and wealthy individuals, and this is just West Fryer's opinion, um, who are discrediting teachers and trying to make the public believe that schools suck because teachers suck. And that what we need to do is open up the coffers of public education to private investment and to vouchers. And if we allow commercial people who may not know anything about education, but they may run a school to come in, then we'll solve problems. The fact is, we're doing pretty good with test scores in affluent communities. Have you seen the test scores in Deer Creek? Why do they have such high test scores in Deer Creek? Oh, it's because of the the high-stakes testing there. Well, why do we have high scores in Edmund? Oh, it's just because, you know, of all the great technology. It's affluence. There's a very strong correlation between affluence and test scores. And poverty is the real challenge. And so hopefully in our country, we will have some leadership that will address that and recognize that we can't just threaten schools and teachers and solve the problems of poverty. You know, poverty is a real real tough Situation um, for a lot of reasons. And it's not something that we can just wave our magic wand, our pogo stick. I wave my wand and, you know, <laughs> to fix the problems. We'd like to, but it doesn't and work like, It still it drives me completely insane how they'll fire teachers in areas that don't test high enough or score
3: mm-hmm. high enough on right. like
1: problem.
0: And we need, we need to have good teachers, right? right? There needs to be a way, and you all probably had teachers like this you know, in your own background, and I did too, they had retired a long time ago. They were not doing anything new. They were not, you know, going to really go out of their way to, you know, do what maybe was needed. And if teachers are not willing to do what's best for students um, and to change, then maybe it is important for them to get a new job. There's a bill in the legislature right now I heard about on the news this morning where they're trying to do away with the appeals process. And, you know, that's It can be ridiculous in some cases as far as how much money is spent in the courts. Um, What we really need are good leaders. We need you all to be good teachers and some of you to be good administrators. It makes a huge difference when you've got a supportive principal who is going to go to bat for you as a teacher and he's going to make the hard call, which is, you know, Wes, you're really not cutting it here. We need to look at what you're doing and make a plan, and that's challenging to do as an administrator. So... We need There's good leaders. And good is
2: good is mm-hmm.
0: Well, and administrators are, are demonized for their um, uh, for their salaries and for how many there are, and that's something that the legislature in Oklahoma takes uh, you know aim at. to Say we've got over 500 districts, and all these administrators make over a hundred thousand dollars, and so. But yeah, the focus is generally on teachers and. So I don't know where all that's going to go politically um, but I do know that these changes just like this video talks about are happening and we are, we're living in an exciting day um, for a lot of different reasons and so while I'm sure we can all think about limitations of our classes at UCO and our preparation and whatever um, it, there's a lot of exciting things to think about and a lot of people who are working towards some good reforms towards education and not you know not just um, the high-stakes testing connect teachers' you know, salaries to test scores. I mean, who wants to teach in the poorest school in the neighborhood if your test, you know, your salary relies upon the performance of your kids? Um, you know, we ought to think about improving test scores and improving achievement, things like that. Okay, we've to talked too long about that. We've got to move on. So um, we're going to go ahead and do a Pecha Kucha. And then we'll do our scavenger hunt. Before we do that though, let me just draw your attention to our assignment. We do not have a new assignment this week. If you click on assignment for week 11, this is a catch-up week. And so you are encouraged to work on your screencasting assignment this week, which is due not this Friday, but next Friday the 8th. There will also be a blog post uh, checkpoint quiz. Um, that will be due that Friday. Next week we do not meet in class. You can check out microphones, as some of us have, and we learned that not all the computers were being cooperative yeah. with that. So if your advice that you have I for people, that. They, <laughs> that one over there by the clock. Yeah. Um, in the lab, they've got a limited number of mics, so you can just talk to them and check one out with headphones to record your screencast. Um, if you have a question on your topic, send me an email or, or talk to me about it, but it's probably fine. Remember, this is short. You know, One to three minutes doesn't have to be super long. Any questions? Okay. Then let's do our Petra for today, and then we will do our events.
3: Summers. About
1: sailing? Okay. Yeah.
3: Okay. okay, so sailing has, is something that's been a part of my life for a really long time. I've sailed ever since I was a little kid. Um, it's been about 13 years, I think, since I've been sailing. So I'm just going to talk to you today a little bit about sailing in my life and some things about sailing in general that you may not have known. Um, first of all, the first type of boat that I learned to sail to sail on is called a Pico. This is a picture of a Pico. Um, you can tell it's made of plastic, so it's indestructible. It's a great boat to um, learn how to sail on, and it doesn't require a lot of upkeep. It's fairly inexpensive to, compared to most sailboats, so it's a pretty practical first boat. Um, something really important in sailing is being dressed for the right type of weather. In warmer climates, you always need a life jacket, you need gloves to protect your hands from ropes, and um, boots for your feet because there's lots of obstacles in the bottom of the boat that you can stub your toe on. So, But, however, in colder climates, you need uh, the same thing you would need in a warmer climate except you need a little more. You always need a life jacket, gloves, boots, but you can see they're wearing um, a spray top and pants. It's all water resistant, but you can always wear a wetsuit in colder climates. So. You never go wrong with a wetsuit, but you want to make sure you're dressed um, in the right type of gear because you don't want to fall into the cold water and not be dressed appropriately. Growing up, I did a lot of sailing with my family. This is a picture of J-22s. This is the type of boat my parents own. It's a little bit bigger than the other boats you've seen, but it's still not really big in comparison to how big sailboats can get. They're a lot of fun. They take at least two people to operate, but you can have a lot more than that. this is a picture of a larger sailboat. This boat isn't used for racing or anything, but I just wanted to show you that they range in all different sizes. Um, really big ones, really small ones, and they're used for all different kinds of purposes. <coughs> so. um, in sailing, there's lots of different positions. There's always some sort of a helmsman and crew member or crew members. The helmsman sits in the back of the boat, and they hold on to something called the tiller. This can be pushed away for them from them or pulled towards them, it's used to steer the boat, and um, the crew member sits in front of the helmsman, you can see she's sitting in front of the helmsman, that's actually a picture of the back of me, Um, but they're in charge of the second sail, and depending on how big the boat is, um, it's how many sails you have and how many crew members you need, but they're just in charge of the other sails aside from the mainsail. they don't steer the boat, and there's all these other little jobs they do as well, such as keeping out water if the boat gets full of water. Um, unfortunately, when you want to sail, the boat isn't already set up and ready to go, so you have to do something called rigging the boat. This is just putting the boat together, putting up the sails, attaching the ropes to where they need to go. So this is kind of overwhelming. It's pretty difficult at first, but it's something necessary to know if you want your boat to go anywhere out on the water. Um, with rigging comes de-rigging. This is just the opposite. It's <coughs> taking the boat down. This is a picture of some of my friends sea rigging a sailboat. It's really important that you put everything away and take really good care of your sails and keep everything clean. That way, your equipment will last you longer and ultimately will do better in the water. Uh, This past, a few summers ago actually, I got the opportunity to go with a friend to the Philippines um, to a little place outside of Manila. Her family actually owned a sailboat. It was my first time to get to sail in the ocean. It was on quite a bigger, Quite a bit bigger sailboat than I'm used to, so it was a lot of fun. Um, in sailing, smaller boats often capsize. This is when the boat tips over. A really big sailboat won't do this, so you don't have to worry about that. But um, when it does tip over, you need to know what to do. That way you're not just floating out in the water, because that can be a little scary. And that's called recovering a capsize. So this isn't me, or I don't know these people, but This is someone whose boat has capsized, and what you do is there's something called a centerboard. It'll be sticking out the bottom of the boat, and you just put all your weight on the centerboard to flip the boat back over and then crawl back in. I've never seen it done like this. Usually you just pull down on the centerboard, but I thought it was interesting how they were sitting on it like that. Um, In sailing, races are actually called regattas, and there's all different kinds of boats that race in regattas. There's big boats with just families racing for fun and there's club sports, club boats, there's also um, collegiate regattas going on. So there's usually more than one, more than one going on at once. Um, UCO actually does have a sailing team. This is a picture of us where, I don't know what I found so funny, but, <laughs> um, we, we've kind of taken off this past semester, we've gotten the opportunity to go to several regattas in Oklahoma and several outside of Oklahoma. So we've gotten to travel and we've had a lot of fun with that. In collegiate sailing, this is the type of boat we sail. They're called 420s. They, I showed you a picture of this boat earlier. Um, it's a two-person boat. There's the helmsman, which sits in the back, and the crew members, which sit in the front, and the helmsman steers the boat. This is pretty much the only type of boat they use in collegiate sailing. Some interesting facts about sailing um, are that it has a lot of health benefits. It helps improve things such as cardio-respiratory fitness, your aerobic fitness, it helps reduce the risk of hypertension and heart disease, so it's something that can be really healthy for you now and in the long run. Okay, so if you're interested in getting involved with sailing, some ideas are to call um, a boathouse at a lake near you. I know Lake Hefner has a boathouse, and there's almost always someone that will give private lessons. Or if you're interested in maybe sailing for UCO, they give lessons in the summer and have tryouts, so there's an option as well. Uh, This is a picture of the type of boat I have now. It's called a laser. It's a really thin boat. It's pretty small, as you can see, but they're really fast. Um, They're really nice boats. They're pretty expensive, but they're definitely a lot of fun. It's a one-person boat, but it's probably my favorite type of sailboat to sail in. In conclusion, um, sailing is a lot of fun. It's a great way to get involved and to meet new people. It also opens up a lot of opportunities for traveling. It's something that I've done for a long time as I said earlier and I hope that I taught you a little bit more about what it is and how you can get involved. So yeah, that's my future presentation. How much does a new laser cost? Uh well mine costs like
0: five thousand. Is there a pretty good part if you use cell phones
1: with
3: like another Yeah, yeah, you can get the used for a lot cheaper, so other questions or Sharks, and that one time I saw in the ocean, there was a lot of fins that day, so mm-hmm. I didn't want to fall in. Was that in the Philippines
1: or
0: somewhere else? That was in the Philippines. That was the only time I saw in the ocean. So. Okay, let's over here. login to your Google account, or you can try this link that uh, is a direct link to go to this embedded form. Um, but this has basically got the breakdown of our activity. So, um, you will not need to print this out. I actually have the login and password and instructions for uploading here. In the back of the room, I have five flip cameras. One of our groups is still uploading next door, actually, that took a little more time to take the video rather than to um, I would recommend you come back with at least 10 or 15 minutes left before class so you can, you can upload. But you are going to uh, work in a group of three or four, ideally. We've um, got, how many people do we have? Okay, we've got 22. So we should have enough, uh, we should need any, any groups of five. Um, The stakes are your group, Uh, there's gonna be two categories and there'll be a winner in each category and everybody in your winning team will uh, get five extra credit points as tacked on to your final uh, percentage score for the class. um, You need to take your video during class today. Um, However, you can fulfill the requirements for the application up through midnight on Friday. So your goal is to shoot at least three short videos I would recommend maybe taking more, so you have a couple in case some don't go so well, but uh, upload at least three of them and then share them. So you are going to take video in a category um, with your teammates, and after you shoot your video, you're going to upload following the instructions that are here on your sheet. This is actually at the bottom video upload instructions. We're using a website called PixelPipe, and I've already created an account that you'll log in with, and you'll click on Quick Post and then you're going to browse for each file separately, just like you would attach it to an email, you would just attach these files. And this is connected to a YouTube account that I've created, so just follow the instructions on the sheet and put in your title, um, body, and your tags. The videos, once they transcode, are going to show up on this site, uh, which is called EduSandbox. Um, It's kind of nice to use PixelPipe, because then I didn't have to give out the login credentials for my account. Um, so uh, I can go in here and edit and change things. Really, really important. And it's in red on your instructions. When you're interviewing people, before you start, ask if you can have their permission to share the video online on YouTube. Explain you're doing a class project. You may interview members of your own team. You may interview me but each person can only be in one interview. So you can't have one person in your group do you know, 10 different videos. They can only be in one video, okay? Let's talk a little bit about the categories. So there's two categories. One is thematic, and the other one is called a scavenger hunt. You choose, as a group, what questions you're going to use. So in the stress category, you don't have to ask all three questions. If you just want to ask this question, which is kind of fun, what is the worst example of coping with stress you've seen or heard about at college? And you can just ask that same question to three different people and you know, be done. I would recommend you do more than three videos, but it's up to you. So there's a stress category, Middle East politics, healthy eating, UCO pride, these are just suggestions. Um, and then the second category is called the race. And so there are about 15 different things and I would recommend if you wanna do this one, uh, go ahead and copy these questions, and you can do this for the other one too, and just paste these into a Word document and then you can uh, print, you know, just these questions. So you don't have to print the whole document, but you can just copy those questions and then paste that into a new Word document so that you can have those questions um, and just get as many uh, done as you can. And again, we'll have one prize in each category. So you might check with the other groups. If only one group does the eclectic race, guess what? They're going to win. Um, so you might just kind of check and see um, on the on the categories as far as what people are going to do. Okay. Um, I would recommend not using email. There is a way that you can do email with this, but let's just skip that. And the Pipe is the easier way to do This is going to record in high definition. Uh, work with people in your group to figure out how to use your camera, but basically the flips work by just turning the power on. And there's a big red button that records, and when you're ready to um, publish, <coughs> there's a button that flips out the USB, and you plug it into your computer um, to uh, get it off your, off your uh, camera. Where, where are going yeah. to... <laughs> Edit one separate. no editing. We're not combining videos. we're not editing. this is all just quick record, publish and share. So after you get your videos published, the other instruction is you are going there's actually two other steps. You're going to have one member of your group have a blog post. That blog post is going to have a title, a short paragraph, and then your videos that you embed. And you need to get your embedded videos. There may be a way to get it here, but the best way I've found is you click here on the link. And when you're on this particular page, you click embed and you get the code here to copy. Um, After that, the final step is you are going to go to our form. And I've got this link at the bottom as well as the top. Um, we've got a Google Activity form, and you're going to fill this out. This is just like what we do with WebCP when we submit a link So you're going to be filling out this form for your team. Only one person needs to post the blog. Only one person needs to fill out the form, and this needs to be submitted by midnight on Friday. When we come back face-to-face in two weeks, we will have our winners, and we will take a look at some of the videos that you all created. Okay? You need to have three or four people in your group. Please don't leave anyone out. If you're not in a group, um, come back here to the back, and we'll find a group for you. And one last thing, when you check out $150, $200 equipment to your students, you will want to do something similar to what I'll do today. And that is, I'm going to ask for something of value from you, like a driver's license or your car keys, or you know something that, that you don't want to just leave and give away. Um, I'll have you write down your name and leave that with me in the back, and then I will hand you your camera, which you are responsible for, and to check back into anybody Anybody have a question? All right, go. we just one person
1: back to
0: get a camera okay. um,